Hello and welcome to The Student Space, a podcast for students about high school, life after school, and how to actually be an adult. This episode today, I'm so excited to share with you because it's for anyone who has ever thought about stunning fashion or wanting to get into the fashion industry or for them to start their own brand. I chat with Christina, who is a brand and fashion design graduate with her very own ethical, slow fashion brand, Rosa Rosa The Label. We chat all about how Christina started her label, what it's like working in the industry, and she says so much valuable advice for how you can gain experience and start your own career in fashion and design. Enjoy. Before we jump into the chat, I want to respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which I'm recording this podcast and pay my respects to the elders past and present of the Rwandri people of the Kulon Nations. But yeah, let's kick off. Christina, thank you so, so, so much for joining me today to chat on the podcast. I'm so excited because this chat is a little bit different. So we are going to chat all about how you are the designer and founder of your very own label. Lovely. Well, before we kick off, could you just introduce yourself? Yeah, so my name's Christina. At the moment, I'm 23 years old. Um, I started... I studied a Bachelor of Brand and Fashion Design at Billy Blue, and at the moment I'm running my own fashion label, Rosa Rosa The Label. Incredible. Now, I just want to get to know you a little bit better. I'm just going to ask three random questions. Um, don't, <laughs> don't stress, just answer with the first thing that comes to mind. So firstly, what's one thing that can instantly make your day just a bit better? Oh, I love going for a morning walk. Just that little bit of outside time and fresh air makes everything so much clearer. Of course. Um, and what about the last song that you listened to? I don't know. It was probably some Ocean Alley song or something. They're always on repeat. <laughs> I love it. Yep. And would you consider yourself more a dog or a cat person? Oh, a dog, 100%. Do you have a dog? Yes, I do. Her name's Jessie. Oh, gorgeous. What kind of dog? And she's a spoodle, so she's a little, I think it's um, Cocker Spaniel Cross Poodle. Gorgeous. Oh, she's beautiful. She's getting old now, though, so she's a little old lady. Oh, little (laughs) Jessie. And now, what about your high school days? It was a few years ago, but reflecting back, tell us a bit about your high school experience. I went to school in a private school, but it was quite small in a sense that, you know, everybody knew each other. It was very personal. And I went there since year three because it was a prep to 12 school. So I went there with my other two brothers and sisters and we basically just, like, grew up there, you know, like going to school for that long, created such good friendships. Um, And then, yeah, that followed on into high school, which I was able to explore lots of different subjects and kind of figure out what I wanted to do because I wasn't always sure that, this is what I wanted to do. Um, in terms of textiles and design, when I was in year 12 and I wanted to focus on that, I wasn't able to do textiles. Um, it just wasn't offered because nobody wanted to, no one else wanted to do it. But oh, wow. Yeah, so that was a little bit of a struggle, but I just kind of knew by that point that that was what I wanted to do. So I just decided to make a folio on my own um, and try and branch out into the industry that way as opposed to having to be defined by a subject. Wow. Okay. I've got two questions based on that. Firstly, what subjects did you take in VCE? And then tell me about the portfolio that you went out and did by yourself. Yes. So um, I was able to, I did one subject in year 11, one through four. So that was further maths. Yep. And I did methods, English, psychology, and this is English, psychology, and 
Did you a language? A oh business? yeah, French. That was oh. it. <laughs> yeah, so it was very much. Um, you know, I guess I'm always, I'm quite a quite an academic person, so my subjects don't really reflect the whole creative side of me. Um, but yeah, I only did five subjects so that I had extra time um, to do my folio at home in my extra spares. Um, luckily, my teachers allowed me to do that and were very supportive of me trying to do what I want to do. Yeah, so when I just decided that I wanted to go down that path and create my own folio so that I could enter design schools and things, I had no idea where to start. I basically just made it up. I decided to do, um, you know, like an analysis and an adaptation of each different era, like 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s fashion. Yep. Um, and then just, yeah, strung together some designs and did a photo shoot and put it all together. <laughs> That's amazing. Did you have someone to or a teacher or a mentor to bounce those ideas to help you mould it and create what's necessary for the design school to get in? Absolutely not. I very much just made it up. <laughs> but it seemed to work and, you know, it was all about just, I just tried to put in as much that I knew in terms of, you know, analysing and the writing part of fashion as well as the design part and then the photo shoot and the other creative stuff. So, yeah, I just went with that and it seemed to work. <laughs> That's amazing. And did you have your heart set on um, the Billy Blue College of Design or did you have any other, say, like study exactly. options? So I was really interested in the RMIT course um, yep. because that's just, you know, the overhead of fashion. When you want to go to design, you go to RMIT. Um, and I did apply for them. I did get into their honours course, but I kind of found Billy Blue halfway through the process and was really intrigued by them because they offer more of a commercial-based fashion which teaches you actual skills of how to be a designer as opposed to a lot of other fashion schools just teach you how to make clothes, um, which is very relevant. But, you know, in today's day and age, all of sewing is usually done by seamstresses and then all of the business stuff and design work and technical things and costing and finance stuff that's the things that I wanted to learn and I wanted to gain those skills yeah especially yeah especially because I have that kind of split mind where I'm like half design half technical thinking that I just wanted to I thought that that course suited me better so that's how I went with Billy Blue in the end that's awesome and did they have like a career day or an open day where you went and visited they did they had one I remember I was so desperate to go to one but it was I was just coming off the flight from Bali and I um, was like, oh, I'll make it if I go straight from the airport. So I went with all of my luggage and all of my suitcases. <laughs> That's actually so funny. They would have like looked at you and thought, where's this shit going? Is she moving in or? <laughs> what is she doing? Yeah. But it ended up being great. And I, did, I talked to the course manager who, um, you know, obviously on the open day, it was the first time I met him. But since then, he's been really, really um, supportive and such a strong mentor for me. Um even through uni and even past it so um yeah it was very helpful and it was as soon as I went there I just had that feeling like yeah this is where I want to be that's fantastic and with the course is it um a big cohort no that's tiny and as I was saying in um, my high school that was quite a small school as well so I really thrive off you know small environments interactive you know really working closely together so some of my classes there was only three of us um, wow yeah some there are a lot more but generally no more than 15 so 
I really love that aspect because you could really learn and all of the teachers have, you know, they've done their time in the industry and then now they're going on to uni lecturing and teaching. So they have so many um, skills and they have such a background and people they know and their advice. So it was really great to kind of dissect that information and get as much as you can from them. Um, and same thing with my course manager with these other teachers there's a few of them who have gone on and now they're very supportive of me still and I can reach out to them any time that I have a question or that I need something so that's so important and really personalized like you're learning through it as well and yeah everyone learns differently and I think for me that's important and that's what worked for sure and had you not gotten into the Billy Blue College were you going to go to RMIT or? Yeah, I would have because I okay. definitely wanted to study the fashion aspects. Um, but Billy Blue, I'm glad that I made it through. And also it's a little bit more accessible because it's not ATAR based or they have to, you can either enter through ATAR or you can enter through Folio. Um, and I just had both of those. So it was fine. Um, they're more of a personal, you go for an interview, they kind of gauge your interests and, see if you're a right fit so that's awesome really good to know for people listening that you know you you, everyone knows about RMIT and their fashion design course but it's really worth exploring other options that may even be more suited to the type of learner that you are 100% and especially in fashion there's lots of different aspects you can go into um, so with the course I did, it, instead of being a designer, I could also go and be a buyer or something like that, which, you know, was definitely an option and an aspect of fashion that a lot of people don't know that you can go into. For sure. And after high school, did you ever consider taking time off and say, do a gap year? I am fully supportive of gap years, especially with all of my friends and family that I just know have needed that extra time to gather their thoughts or to work or to travel but personally I am just being one of those people I've always known what I wanted to do um, and I just wanted to jump in and do it. I also accelerated my course um, and com- it's a three-year course and I completed it in two years just because <gasps> I'm one of those people that like just has to get everything done and out the way. <laughs> I love it. Did that mean you had to overload subjects or do like yeah. summer, winter? Yeah, so they also offer three trimesters, like similar to um, Deakin University as well. Yeah, so um, which I personally think is great because normal uni, you have so many holidays. Um, So I, and that's good if you're travelling or, you know, doing whatever, but I just am someone who likes to work all the time or I just like steady routines. So, yeah, I think it, and it was essentially like a school year as well, like, you know, from the end of Jan to the mid-December. with your holidays in between so I just did that with extra subjects and yeah it wasn't too hard to balance it was basically the school described it as working a full-time job um I was able to do that as well as work part-time and get through get through okay but yeah yeah no I can understand like at times when you've got like different projects due and then you've got work on the side it, it can all get too much but it seems that, you know, you're quite organised, you get it together. 100%. And especially with um, creative and design subjects, you can spend hours doing one thing, just fixing it and fixing it. But, you know, at some points you just kind of got to realise when to stop or also what you want to spend more time on and, yeah, what suits you best. 
For sure. Now I've heard that in order to really get ahead in the fashion industry, you have to like volunteer or intern. Like you've seen all like the Devil Wears Prada, like all those shows, (laughs) like for weeks on end. So how do you gain experience, get ahead? What's your experience? Well, this is something that I also heard um, in the fashion industry, you know, that it's so competitive and so many people are working, you know, all hours of the day just to get in the industry. And it was just something that I wanted to start from the start. So each year, my two years of uni, I did two internships um, and they varied, you know, like whether they were once a week for a month, whether they were, you know, a whole week at a time, they just varied. So yeah, I just would call up random businesses and literally just say, hi, do you need some help? Like I'm a student and I want to offer. And a lot of the time with interns, it can be frustrating because you're doing all the work that nobody else wants to do, like organising shelves and fabric swatches and things like that. But a lot of it is good. I just preferred the whole meeting people through it um, and building connections for future. Um so I think internships are important in any, any industry because it also proves to yourself that this is where you want to go. Um, but then there's another aspect where you can't be expected to just work unpaid for so many hours. So you kind of just have to have a balance between, you know, getting some um, skills and experience on your resume and not, you know, running yourself too hard. Definitely, definitely. It's all about balance. And you did mention just emailing random companies or in a sense, like calling them up, hey, do you need any help? But do you have any advice for anyone wanting to gain industry experience? Like how do they find places to call or is there somewhere they could look? It's the hardest thing. I remember being there. We had one subject where we had to complete 100 hours of intern experience. Um, And for that, I remember everybody just being like, how do we get that? I'm so confused. Our uni was very helpful, but they would only help because they wanted to encourage us to be self-sufficient and go out and find them on our own before, Um, which after getting started, a lot of people found. So I would just have, I pretty much would look on Instagram or Facebook or Google different um, brands that I knew the name of. And a lot of the time, if you do a search or contact us they'll have their address and phone number or an email so I would calling was more efficient because you got an answer straight away um and also a little bit more personal connection on the phone you know you can talk a little bit and see if you kind of gel personalities but it would be very much just calling like do you need an intern or you know I would love to do this it would be so good for me and I hopefully I can help you guys as much as I can so you do get a lot of knockbacks because you know not everybody wants to someone because they have it's extra time for them to teach you and to show you around and everything but you know once you it's just a matter of like trying as much as you can and then eventually one will happen so that's awesome are you able to share one of your interning experiences or like what's one thing or one type of job that you did Yeah, so for um, I interned for Misha Collection, which is like an evening wear. Yes, I know Misha. I've got a dress from there. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that sounds great. But um, that one I got, I called them up and then it turned out that one of the um, 
girls in marketing knew my cousin or something. Okay, so, cool. Um, she was like, oh, that name sounds familiar. And then, yeah, it just kind of happened, luckily. And that's another thing in fashion that is very frustrating is it's generally about who you know, um, which at the start I was shocking because apart from this situation where it was my cousin's friend in marketing, you know, even though we didn't find out till later, I knew nobody. But once you start those internships, you get to know more and more people. Um, but anyway, yeah, at this internship, I would essentially just help out the design and production wherever they needed. Um, and I did a lot of mood boarding and trend forecasting, which was really helpful. Um, and working with Michelle, um, the owner of Michelle, and she was she's really young. I think I don't know how old she is now, but at the time, she wouldn't have been any older than twenty six. So. She was really helpful in terms of, you know, like it was quite surreal that I was working with the um, person who created this whole thing in this office um, and she could give me her feedback and honest opinion and I was very much in the midst of like they were finalising a collection and it was like the last days to get everything approved. So I was just, you know, on hand and was able to witness all of those things and soak up as much information as possible. That's amazing. What a great experience. And the, I think the best thing about internships is just listening and like not about the jobs that you're actually doing, but like looking around and seeing what's going on and like people telling you what they're doing at the time. And then these little bits of information just build and build. And then eventually you just know what's going on and it just feels so good to be a part of it. I love it. It's almost like you're piecing together the puzzle of this whole industry, one bit yeah. of experience at a time. Yeah, for sure. Love it. Now, in your course, were there any invitations to, say, do showcases, events, exhibitions? How did that part work? During um, the course, what we had to do essentially was build up a build up a brand that represented yourself and then carry that through all of the stages until a final, you know, collection at the end, which um, that was just presented in a presentation format. We did have a brand panel of industry members, like people from certain brands um, that were actual industries who could give us feedback, um, and that was really great. And then we also, but since then, um, there wasn't really any, like, fashion shows or anything. Like, I know some other unis do, but since then I have showcased my work with Rosa Rosa at so many different events because my uni has just been so supportive of me and it's honestly so amazing like there's been exhibitions I've had like yeah I, they sent me to Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week in Brisbane oh I cannot wait we are definitely talking about that coming up <laughs> yeah. yeah they've obviously like every time they're doing something um whether it's because it, the school Billy Blue is a whole design school. So they've got graphics, they've got interior, they've got everything. So, and they always try to include me. So, whenever they do something, they're like, oh, do you want to put on a runway or do you want to do like showcase your work or do you want to have it like do this interview? Um, so, yeah, they're super supportive. And I think because I kind of reach out to them as much as they reach out to me, that relationship is still there. And we always kind of, you know, help each other and it's been really great that's so important and wow so proud of you that's that's fantastic (laughs) so now let's actually get into your brand you so what inspired you to start Rosa Rosa the label bit of a funny story because I don't mean to scare anyone going into fashion but my personal experience wasn't the best because I went into a fast fashion clothing brand um so this was a very it was a medium scale business but it had like five 
work is in the head office, um, which I liked because, as I mentioned before, you know, I like when things are intimate and small and you can really get to know the whole business. And I did. I learned so much there. But it was just something that I didn't want to contribute to. I kind of was having a bit of a self um realization in terms of how I want to live my life you know I want to be more environmentally conscious I want to be you know all of those things and do good rather than contributing to waste and you know labor and all slave labor and all of those things so um after about a year of working there getting all of this experience I just decided okay I want to contribute to something good but I don't really have the experience to go out and you know, be a designer of another company because I'm still on the assistant, you know, I've only been working for a year, I've just finished uni, I was super young, like I was only 20. Um, and yeah, I've just always known I wanted to do my own thing, but I didn't think it would be this soon. Um, I only started it because I just one day just had to quit my job. I just didn't really have time to find a plan. I was just like, I need out. So I quit. And then which is like, this is the only thing that makes me happy, makes me excited. I think I'm just going to go for it. I love it. That's so inspiring. And I thought, you know, when you're working for someone or for a company and your values don't align, it's kind of, it's it's not working. And you know what? As soon as you took that step out, like amazing things blossom from there, I guess. Um. Yeah, it's so funny because it's exactly what you said when your values don't align. Um, it really changes how you do your job and like how you feel because your job you know you're going there five days a week that's majority of your life you're gonna you really need to be loving it um although in saying fast fashion I just want to mention that I did also work um I had a part-time job at um brand collective which has like I worked with Elwood um you know the surfer apparel brand okay yep um and they yeah, so I was just a production assistant there. But I loved working there. And I think they're classified as fast fashion, but it was just amazing and I learned so much and it was such a good vibe. So I think it really just depends on the company that you work for and the people that are there that determines how you feel and how you grow as a person as well in the industry. Definitely. And then you don't know until you get in and try. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It's like anything, you know, you're never going to know until you try. And with all different businesses, no matter what you're doing, you got to love it. For sure. So you quit your job, you're on your own and you're like, okay, I'm starting my own thing. What was the very first thing that you did? How did you know where on <laughs> earth to start? Well, um, I mentioned before that through um, my course at Brand, brand Fashion at Billy Blue, we had to create a brand. Um you know, and we did all of the development stages from like costing, design, everything, finding manufacturers. So I kind of just had it ready to go. Like it wasn't 100% what I wanted. I had to redefine it and, you know, finalise details and make it aligned with my values and update it a little bit. But that's where I started was just kind of defining a clear brand and where I wanted it to go and what my stance was in the fashion industry. And then I guess everything else just came through. We are so lucky with Instagram these days that you can kind of reach a big audience, you know, by just posting some photos and talking about it and through friends sharing things and advertisements and stuff. So I basically just started there and just made it up as I went along. <laughs> I love it. Kind of like fake it till you make it. Just keep going and you'll work it out. Oh. 
<laughs> yep, that's literally me. Like I said, I launched my Instagram and um, I, my collection was nearly ready. And then I was like, it was like a couple of weeks before and I was like, oh my God, I still have to like take photos of everything and like actually like make this happen. I was like, how am I going to do that? I was like, oh, it'll happen. <laughs> you made it work in the end anyway. <laughs> <laughs> now, what did the early days of the business look like? How did you feel? It was super surreal because I think I didn't really quite believe it. You know, when you're doing something, especially behind a screen, you don't really kind of notice what you've done. Um, the most exciting part was definitely my launch night. Um, you know, seeing a few, like a lot of um, my first sales of family and friends being super supportive, which was awesome. But there were a few, you know, random customers that I was like, oh my God, like this random person is going to have one of my items. Like, that's so cool. Um, but then following on that, yeah, it was very busy because I was making all of the clothes myself, which is just very time consuming. And I was kind of drowning in that a little bit. But after a few months, I realized that, you know, that's not where I want to focus my energy. I want to focus my energy on building the brand and, you know, preparing for a future as opposed to just sitting behind a sewing machine. So that's when I kind of just realized that, yeah, well, I've got to, something's got to give and I have to, it was more efficient of me to hire independent teamsters and work with them. So definitely kind of freeze your hands a bit to work on bigger things, branding, marketing, vision for future, yeah. all, all that jazz. You're going to do what excites you the most as opposed to just doing all the things that you don't want to do. So, yeah. Of course. Now, I know in uni you had planned the brand, the suppliers, the idea, and then you workshopped it when you were going to launch. Did you need huge amounts of capital, so a lot of funds to get started? Um, yes, but I was lucky that when I was working so much, I was saving so much and um, me and my partner were set on buying a house that year. Um, so I was very much in saving mode. And I'm a little bit of a weird person in a sense that like, you know, I've been saving for a house since I was 15. Like I was, I would always work like at my little baker's delight job, which funnily enough, I actually still work out. Um, Why not? And then, yeah, I would just always, yeah, I would always save. I would, and so as opposed to taking out a bank loan um, to have that extra pressure, I just wanted to spend what I already had. Um, so it did take a bit, but if I had any regrets, it would be kind of, I would want to start smaller. Um, I kind of thought at the beginning that I had to, coming from this fast fashion background, that I had to, generate you know a collection every single season like four drops a year like that's a lot um especially in slow fashion I've noticed that you you can have one a year and no one will mind because it's not trend-based it's very much just you know go as you please and people accept the designs as they are as opposed to you know oh that was so last season because it's about longevity. It's about keeping these clothes in your wardrobe for as long as possible. If I was able to, I would love to have a made-to-measure brand, which is where you have your collection all online, but you don't have any stock. You just have the fabric. So as soon as someone purchases it in that size, then you quickly make it up and send it out. Um, I think that's just so much more, like, fabric efficient and environmentally friendly because then you just have literally no waste. But for me personally, because, you know, sewing takes me so long because it's such a, te- like, for me it's tedious and I don't enjoy it. I enjoy the creation of new designs and the business side. Um, but if someone's out there that loves sewing and that, that's really their passion, you can start off just 
making one thing, posting it online on Instagram and, you know, getting, seeing if people buy it and go from there. Just start small because once you start, it all rolls forward. That's great advice. It's just getting started, which is the most important part. Yeah. Definitely. So for someone starting out, do you have any advice where someone can start sourcing suppliers, fabrics? Same thing. As I mentioned, because I like kind of came out of nowhere, it was very much just Google searching, um, you know, and for me it was Melbourne suppliers are important, like having the mole Peter approved vegan was important. So it was very much just going in there, Googling as much as you can. And once you kind of refine your engines and seeing what's working, then you just call up some places and see what's up. So I guess when you're starting a business, you have to be very comfortable with just calling people and seeing what they have to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's very much just figure it out. And Google's great. I don't know how people didn't start businesses without Google <laughs> or do anything. I know. Like that. Start with that. We're very lucky in today's times. <laughs> what about advice for website building or like the technical side? Yep. So, so I did everything from scratch. So I started my website originally on, um, the, you know, there's different platforms that, you know, it's very much drag and drop and design and it teaches you how to do it very simply. Um, so I started with through Squarespace, um, which was great. That lasted a year, but then I, I've recently moved to Shopify just because it's just a lot smoother and as my business was growing, I found that that was the most simple way. Um, So how it works is, yeah, you pretty much drag and drop and move your blocks around and it's very simple to use. But then there's lots of online tutorials and things which I live for online tutorials for everything, for finance, for, you know, web building, for everything. If I don't know anything, I'll just YouTube it and there's so many people out there explaining it. So, yep, so as I said, make it up as you go along and it'll work out. I love it. YouTube's going to be your best friend starting out. Be like, how to design <laughs> um, website, how to yep. do this, yep. <laughs> how to register business name. It's all there. Oh, yeah, that was another one. Now, um, now we're just going to move talking about your, like, day-to-day operations. So how do you ethically source the supplies and your manufacture in a way that's sustainable? Yep. So for me, the first thing that starts out when I do designing is the fabrics. So um, to find vegan fabrics sounds really scary, but it's not. It's just making sure that no animal fibres or anything are in the fabric. So it's no wool, it's no silk, it's no leather. So once you take those things away and I kind of built up some experience with knowing how to build collections around that, it was very much just about finding these Melbourne-based fabric suppliers and going in and touching them and seeing what's there and um, combining the fabrics. So that's that. And then in terms of finding seamstresses and things, it was literally the same, just Googling, calling um, and seeing. And I managed to find some um, two women, one who works from her studio in Richmond as a seamstress. She has a little bit more of a business going. And another lady then who lives in the country in Corumbara um, in South East. So she also has a studio at home, but it's just on a smaller scale. So she just does it. She's a mom of three, I think. And, you know, this is that's what she does on the weekends um, to, you know, um, you know, get some money that she makes clothes. And she's great. She has had a whole career of um, production and technical design. So 
yeah, she's very knowledgeable and she understands a lot. So it's very much, yeah, just about finding these people. And once I found them, we just fit. And yeah, I've had a couple of collections now where we've gone, we've worked together. Um, and in terms of sustainable printing and things, a lot of businesses now are, have a sustainability tab on their website, no matter what they do. So um, sustainable printing is mainly about, you know, the inks and dyes that are used, that they're not toxic for the water. Because um, I'm not sure if you've seen, but especially in India, there's lots of rivers that are very toxic and polluted and people that drink from it, they've got all deformities and stuff and it's very horrible. So wow. yeah, every single thing and every single step of the design process has such a big impact on the environment and the whole world. So um, it's just a matter of yeah, finding those key suppliers that work really well and you know how everything is done from start to finish. You know that they're being paid properly. You know that everything's done. And it's different in Australia because I contact my seamstresses saying, here's my design. How do you think we can price this? And, you know, how is this going to work? And then they'll come back with their, okay, it's going to take me this long. This is what's going to happen. This is the different um, concepts. And then they give me how much they are going to charge for that. So I don't determine the prices like you do in other brands. They determine the price and they say, okay, this is what I'm going to charge you. And I say, okay, cool. So that's how it's kind of ethical is because, you know, it's they're making sure they've got enough money and for their time and they're working under their own conditions and it's very much supporting them in their own businesses as well. Definitely. I was just going to say you're supporting them, they're supporting you. Yeah. It, it, it all works well. Doesn't it? And yeah, with printing, with everything, it all it's so nice meeting these other Australian businesses and working together because at the end of the day, you know, we're supporting the economy, we're supporting each other and so much better to keep it all local. Definitely. So how do you work out the pricing for each garment? Because I can imagine, well, fast fashion is very competitive. You know, you see lots of like low prices. We're on the other side of slow fashion. So how do you how do you work this out? So once you kind of figure out, so as I said, the seamstresses will tell me how much it's going to be for their labour costs. So I'll say how much they're going to charge and then I'll add all of the extra, like the fabric and how much the whole garment is going to cost with, you know, all of the labels and trims and everything. And then I'll kind of mark it up depending on um, the margin that I set for the garment and how much I think it'll be worth. Um, and the difference between slow fashion and fast fashion is slow fashion is so much, it's like 10 times more expensive to get things made in Australia because you're paying a real person to make a garment as opposed to, you know, overseas where they're barely paying them 10 cents for a garment. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, so the markups for fast fashion, also because they have so much high volume, so they'll do hundreds or even thousands of one item, whereas I'll do 20. Yeah. So, you know, when you go higher in volume, the price comes down as well. So and also fast fashion, their margins are usually about 90%, which is crazy. Wow. Like, yeah. They'll, yeah, it's insane. So that's how they can make so money and they can have sales and everything's super cheap as opposed to me where, you know, I try not to sail too often because, you know, I want to have that full um, price so that everything works out and everything's fair and I can keep reinvesting profits into my business so that it can grow. Um, and, yeah, my margins are way smaller 
because all I'm focusing on is, you know, eventually with Rosa Rosa, I just want to be able to pay myself and maybe a team of one or two people to run Rosa Rosa so we can all have like a living wage and I don't want to worry about being a big fast fashion brand. I just want to keep pushing my knowledge onto other customers and like pushing people to support slow fashion. Definitely, for sure. And I'm sure you will definitely get there quite soon. (laughs) And what about your brand embodying and promoting diversity in the fashion industry? Because, you know, you've heard in the media there is one particular, there's one particular style that everyone likes or even race that you see in photo shoots in magazine covers. Are you challenging that a little bit? Oh, 100%. I think from when I first started, it's just never been a thought for me. It was just like, oh, she's cute, she's cute. Like, because I think everyone's cute. Like, you know, I just think, and also with my clothes, like, I am not traditional. I've always done things the other way than everyone else has. So I wear things that, you know, other people can wear at all different stages of their life. So in terms of um, body inclusivity, I, and just naturally a slimmer person, I suppose. Like I'm quite small. So I'm just naturally an eight, whereas my sister is the opposite. She's got, you know, big boobs and butt. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> she loves it. And so she's probably a size 12 or, you know, that fluctuates. So then we can kind of, we share clothes. Like she'll still these or also like, cause like I have elastic waist on all of my things and you know, different like oversized styles. And then she'll look good in something and I'll look good in something. But, you know, because I think everyone should just feel comfortable in what they wear. Clothing shouldn't be uncomfortable. It should be like, yeah, it should. Oh, it's make you feel good. Yeah, that's it. Like, yeah. So, and in terms of photo shoots and things, I've always just used anybody, like, who I think represents Rosa Rosa as opposed to who I think people want to see. And I think it's more important to represent people who are buying the clothes as opposed to people who are looking up to people who they want to look like because that's not reasonable. Hundred, hundred thousand percent. Yes, it, <laughs> it's so true. Now, um, moving more to like your branding, growing the business side, you have almost 5,000 on Instagram, which is amazing and such a loyal customer base. How and when did you start on social media? I started, I remember opening up my Instagram page in January and I launched my first collection in March last year. Um, and to be honest, same thing. I made it up as I went along. I have no idea. I just kind of tried to post things that I think people would like, you know, be it a lot more personal as well and show my face and tell people where everything's coming from because I think that's where people connect with a brand and can continue to support them as opposed to fast fashion. You know, they're like, oh, that's pretty okay. I'm done with it now. Yep. Um, yeah, so very much just made, ad, very much just made it up as I went along. But um, Instagram advertisements is very easy to um, work. Um, so the only ad that I've ever been, I guess, proud of that I've really seen a return for is um, I posted an ad saying like, "Who are we? A fashion label who actually cares about the environment and the animals or something?" And um, something along those lines. And I think just because it was eye catching and people were like, "Oh, like." is that even possible? So it kind of engaged people and drew them to my page. And then, you know, a lot of them have been following me since the start. And that's kind of exciting to have these connections. 
Definitely. So for someone starting out, do you have any advice or maybe some do's and don'ts to grow themselves on social media? I'm not a big social media person, to be honest. I personally hate social media. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like running a business on social media, but you hate it. (laughs) But I'm just like, I wish I could just go back to like, you know, the 1920s where internet wasn't even a thing. Like, um, but it is a great tool when you use it properly. And for business, like you're so lucky. I would personally recommend just exploring um, advertisements. There's also a lot of um, how I was saying before about YouTube being such a good um, tool. That is, but there's also a lot of free digital marketing courses that I've done, um, you know, and they're all tailored to um, my customer base. Like fashion is mainly Instagram as opposed to Facebook. Yeah, you know, it spreads across all of them. So, um, yeah, it's basically just keeping up to date with the new trends and what's going on, the new features. When you use them, you get pushed up and it's all about engagement. And, you know, when you don't use it for like, if I haven't used Instagram for a week, um, it won't show my photos to as many people. Whereas, you know, if I keep that interaction going, Instagram kind of pushes you up and supports you so it's very much a hit or miss you'll never kind of understand but each as you go along I've noticed I'm learning more things so I'll start to look maybe more into analytics I'll start to look more into how much this is working what's working about this and then build from there so you can just start off Instagram just by posting pretty pictures but then you'll start to notice oh this got way more likes than this I wonder why and then just start on a simple surface like that sure definitely now since you've launched in march 2019 i've seen on your instagram you've been featured in magazines you've held stores at markets um even showcased your work at different runway shows for someone starting out how do you get say your first feature or your first exposure so a lot of magazines are actually paid um so you can reach out to the magazine and say hey like I'm starting a new brand. Um, do you have any advertising space or something? And they'll send you their packages. Um, a lot of them are very unreasonable, okay. um, especially in bigger magazines. I personally don't see any return from them. It's very much when you're starting, it's a novelty to be like, oh, my God, look at this. I was in Fashion Journal or something. Um, but, you know, it's also helpful. I think it just depends on who you are. But in terms of um, some other magazines and interviews and things, I found that, Sometimes like people just reach out to me and say, hey, we're doing this or the opposite. I can reach out to them and say, like, I've started this brand. This is what I'm doing. And because I have a ethical and sustainable focus behind me, a lot of people want to support you. So um, they will, you know, just be like, oh, yeah, I would love to do a piece about you or I'd love to talk to you or something like that. And that's where I've really loved meeting people and different things. And same goes for um, creating and working with other creatives like photographers and makeup artists and things they're trying to build up their careers too and so am I so everyone's very supportive and helping each other and then one of them might be like oh this photo is for a magazine I'm doing um, can I use your clothes and I'm like of course you can so it's very like there's not really a set thing it's very much just you reach out to them they reach out to you you just got to put yourself out there and see what comes back I love it. Great advice. Don't be scared. Just go for it. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So now tell us all about the Mercedes-Benz Fashion Festival in Brisbane. <laughs> I can't wait to hear. That was awesome. It was so surreal. Um, we have a Facebook page where all of the people in my course who are in the course and graduating are a part of, so we've kind of created a community there. Um, and there was an advertisement saying we're going to sponsor um one person to go up to Brisbane for Fashion Week. Um, maybe this could be you. Um, and I was like, oh, cool, I'll apply. Like, I probably won't get it, but I may as well just apply because there's a lot of people in my course who have these amazing brands after they've finished. Um, and I have no idea how, but I just read, they selected me and I was so excited. Um, so, yeah, it was awesome because it was doing a runway show without the stress because other runway shows, you know, I have to make sure everything's on time. I have to dress models, makeup, hair, organize all of the little things, shoes, like be there in the moment, which is so exciting, but so stressful. But with Mercedes-Benz in Brisbane, I didn't have to do anything. I literally just had to go there, give them my clothes and like tell people what to do. Like, yes, no, is that done properly? Yep, all good. Like, it was so weird. That's almost like best case scenario. It was honestly the best thing ever. And I have done, um, I have worked for like Melbourne Fashion Festival and stuff like volunteering for experience and stuff. So I was just used to, you know, like getting things organised and all the chaos because it's fun. But it was just so weird. I felt like a big fan. Like I was like, yeah, this is fun. Like, <laughs> um, But honestly, it was the most amazing experience um, watching like my designs go down the runway um, because like between now and then I started in March and this was at the end of August I've been working so much like you just from at home by myself and that was when I lived I moved back into my mum's house so that was when I just worked from my little bedroom like yeah you know, stuff it was a bed and then stuff everywhere like a little sewing machine in the corner so it was very like surreal to be like oh yeah, like this is what I'm doing. Like it's an actual brand and like people are actually buying this stuff. Like that was really cool. That's awesome. It's like all these hours and hard work, I can I can envision it. Like it's in yeah, the public, it's real. It let me, it forced me to sit back and I kind of appreciate what I've done because, you know, I never take the time to do that. And it's always so important to keep you motivated for your future and to kind of be proud of yourself. For sure, because you would work so hard and, you know, pump out collections and designs yeah. and all this. So it's a well-deserved reward, I guess. Yeah, it was awesome. And so much better that, yeah, I didn't have the stress of paying for it. I didn't have the stress of all the organising. So I literally just had to rock up and be like, here you go, take my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you got a good brand recognition or, like, reward from it? Did you see, like, say, like a spike in sales after that? Yeah, definitely, because I had, you know, there were bloggers and stuff um, posting all about it. it. That was so cool, seeing, like, oh, my gosh, she's 100,000 followers and she reposted my show. Like, that was cool. And because the um, runway show that I was a part of was an independent upcoming designer's runway, so yeah. a lot of the time at Fashion Festivals, they're the ones that people are interested in because they're, you know, people that are going to be the next big thing or whatever. So that was really um exciting and motivating just to see my brand grow that little bit more um so I know we touched on this before about working with makeup artists other photographers and creatives but how big of a part is networking you know in your business or in the industry as a whole 
I personally think that when you network, everything is just so much better. Um, when you network in a meaningful way, not just trying to meet as many people as you can, but when you actually really engage with people and find what they're doing, those, especially with social media, it lasts long term. Like, you know, I'll work with one makeup artist one time and then I'll follow her journey for the next two years and then maybe I'll like touch base with her again in a couple of years. Like it's very much about building relationships. But for me, you know, it's been a bit of not touch and go, but like I've tested out a few different makeup artists and designers and things like that and found what works for me. And I've met one photographer, Molly, who is just like, we just click and, you know, when your personalities go together, you just produce so much better work. Um, so in terms of, yeah, finding those connections, I think it's important. But once you find them, like, I think you'll stay together long term. But it's always great to know as many people as you can, but to truly listen to them and know their story because everyone can help each other out at some point and offer something different. For sure. It's all about those genuine connections, not just, oh, I'm just going to follow them and that's it yeah 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 you gotta you gotta keep up to date for sure um I also saw that you collaborated with another slow fashion label so how did that eventuate was that through networking Um, yeah honestly it was just a matter of we started messaging each other on Instagram um because that's where slow fashion is what I love fast fashion is is competition and competitive Slow fashion is all about building each other up and helping each other out. So there was a handful of brands that I started following that I noticed because we started around a similar time. Yep. Um, so Pell and M, we're not direct competitors because we offer such different product, but we're similar age and we started around the same time. And yeah, our customer base is relatively similar as well. So we just started messaging each other just to say, how sales or how do you do this? Or I saw you did this, what worked for you? And just kind of giving each other that feedback helps so much. Um, and then, yeah, we just became really good friends out of it and just decided, like, this would be so cool if we did this festival collection together. Why not? Like, I love collaborating and working together with other people. Like, I think that's the best way to be, especially after this year. I think everyone's noticed that human connection is so important no matter what it's from and what industry so yeah definitely it helped us so much for sure and not others in the industry but more so did you have any like business mentors or people that you could go to say if you were stuck on any business decisions or you know specific technical questions not particularly um like actually I guess kind of um Sarah one of the designer at Skin and Threads, where I used to work, she um, is one of my best friends now. She was technically my boss, but we just clicked and, yeah, see each other so often. Her mum also has another brand called Musa Label who they work they, that they work on together. Um, and it's so lovely. Anyone listening can go and have a look at it. But similar process where if I'm not sure what to do or something or I need a little bit of extra advice, especially in regards to photo shoots and things like that, I can... Just ask her and we can talk about things to each other or we just message saying, hey, I saw you do this, that's a really good idea. Do you mind if I do that as well or something like that? So, yeah, um, she's been really positive. But also in terms of me making up my mind on decisions, a lot of the time I don't need guidance. I just need time. Um, Okay, yep. So it's all just about having 
my partner and family and friends to just talk about something really random to until I finally make up my mind and I'm like okay I'll shut up now (laughs) for sure it's not only just like the professional support network but it's like friends and family too they can be like okay this or this what do you think yeah and I think sometimes when they don't have a fashion background and when they don't know what it's for you just say should I do this and they'll say yes or no and they'll be honest then you're just like okay yeah yeah yeah, like that'll work. <laughs> you yeah. take, it takes you out of your own head, especially working by yourself. Like I work by myself all day, every day. It's, you get the, so stuck in like a thinking reel that you need to just take a step out. So yeah, definitely. That's exactly what I was going to ask you next. I was going to say, if you're by yourself, do you have creativity blocks? Are you pulling your hair out? Like, <laughs> How do you deal with that? In terms of creativity, I really don't stress on that anymore in terms of timeline because I'm like, well, if I run at my own pace, then everything will be so much better rather than stressing to get something done or this needs to be done by this day, then it just kind of ruins it and makes it worse in the long run. So I've also noticed if I'm not feeling myself or if I'm having a little bit of a hard time personally, that that obviously translates into work. So especially this year, I've just noticed, you know, just to roll with, roll with it, go with the flow and just kind of, I've always got a plan because I'm always very organised and, you know, but to not stress about these things because stress doesn't help anybody. Obviously I'm stressed every now and then, but in terms of like putting pressure on myself, it's very much just a matter of take, like if I'm stuck, just taking a break and going back to it tomorrow or another day or talking about it. Um, my, yeah, my boyfriend will definitely back me up that I just talk about things nonstop and then eventually it'll just like I'll have an epiphany and I'll be like obviously why didn't I think of that and then it'll come to me in the middle of the night or you know like things like that for sure definitely you know time they say time heals everything but time also helps you know you digest things you make better decisions yeah I get that no need to rush anything exactly and what about rejection like have you ever like I'm sure you know things have gone wrong but how do you handle rejection or failure moving through I think my I think the only kind of rejection you get in fashion is your is like returns and I'm like oh why don't you want it yeah but the first time I got it I was like oh but then now I'm just like well as I mentioned before I want people to love them I want people to feel super comfortable in it and sizing no matter what you do or what you offer it's just one of those things that it's not a one-size-fits-all people aren't gonna it's online people can't try it on so you know I can't just expect people to be like this so after realizing that it kind of changed my mindset and I realized like it's actually a good thing that they're returning it because it's not going to waste now I can you know they've tried it on I can resell it to someone who will actually care for it and love it and you know, this person doesn't have this that they're going to give away or throw in the bin or something, you know. Um, In terms of negative comments, I haven't had too many. Um, I've had a few, um, I've had a lot of questions because people that are slow fashion conscious are really engaged and want to know about everything. Um, But I'm always so honest and transparent about everything. So even if a comment comes up, comes first comes out and it seems a bit harsh or blunt once I start talking to them and tell them how I feel or tell them what's going on or where you know what the answer to their question is a lot of the time they turn around and say oh thanks for answering that was really good or 
yeah, maybe I'll, maybe it's something for them to think about. Maybe I something that I say, yeah, maybe I will think about that. Like it's always a very honest conversation. So a lot of I feel like through uh, not rejection, but through you know negativity, there's always growth. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, it's just about how you place your mindset and about how you take that. I'm sure there's been days where something's happened and I've been like, oh, that makes me sad or something. But, you know, once I get out of that and I realise, you can only improve from it. So you may as well make the most of it. Of course. It's all about, you know, self-growth, personal growth, business growth, only up from here. 100%. And what about this year? I know 2020 has been a little bit different with covid how has that impacted your business? At the beginning, um, I was very lucky because, you know, online sales, I think, for everybody went up because everyone's online, everyone's buying and also trying to support local Australian businesses. So at the beginning, it was really great. But then I got to about halfway through and I should have released a new collection. But um, in the lockdown in Melbourne, people, my seamstresses had to shut down and I couldn't generate the collection. So that was delayed three months. Um but to be honest, at the time, I was so chill about it. I was like, well, there's worse things going on in the world right now. It's only clothes. We'll be right. Like, I love it. Just putting it into perspective as well. Yeah, like there's no point in stressing about it. And it, exactly what I thought was going to happen, I launched this collection because it was supposed to be three months earlier. It was, you know, the styles are too, because it was like more, it was in August, that's a bit more wintry, whereas I launched in November, that's like, you know, it's hot now and everything. So um, I knew things weren't going to sell as much because of the styles and because people are buying for Christmas and they're going out and that's fine but because I'm not seasonal and I don't have um, trends I can just keep this stock and sell it next year and mm. you know, through the time that comes because it's not about like oh it's going to be old soon I'm stressing that I have to get rid of it it's just a it'll sit on my website and until I take it to a market or until someone likes something that they come across so very chill very much just yeah I think stressing about things just makes it worse so I may as well be appreciative of all the good things that have come out of this year like that I've been lucky enough to keep continue to work on Rosa Rosa and be around family and friends for sure so true what about your 2021 and beyond what does that look like I'm so excited <laughs> tell <laughs> me so I think this year has kind of forced everybody to sit down and reflect about their lives and where they want to be and the important things that they want to carry through to their future. Um, and for me, Rosa Rosa has always um, had, it's always been a vegan um, and ethically made clothing brand, but um, regenerative and natural fabrics was never a big factor. I like to include as many natural fabrics as I can, but it was always really difficult being you know, price competitive and things like that. But when I sat down and I realised going forward, I want to be, you know, as environmentally friendly as possible. I want to be doing absolutely everything I can because, you know, being a business, it is hard enough. Like I'm generating product and putting extra things into the world that don't need to be there. But it's what I want to do and I feel like it's making a difference into people's lives. So I want to do that in the best way. So, yeah, I'm in my new collection coming out in April. I'm going to be doing a big shift so it's a lot more environmentally friendly, using things like bamboo and hemp and things like that. So very, very excited for that. And I just feel like it'll be much more me. And I also think that 
um, customers will agree more. And then with that, I think, because what I said before, how I didn't want to increase prices or anything, but I think with this, I'm quite happy to increase prices so that I can start making a little bit of a profit and growing the business. And because a lot of customers have said that they would be supportive of that. So, yeah. That's really important. And it's nice where, like, you know where the vision's going and what's coming to become more ethical, more sustainable. It's fantastic. And I think, yeah, you can always improve. So it's just nice to have that goal in mind and be able to achieve that hopefully soon. Absolutely. And now knowing what you do know and after all that you've experienced, if you could have your time again, what would you do differently setting up your business? That's a hard one because, to be honest, I don't think that I would do anything different. That's good though. Yeah, I think I've just learned along the way different things. And if I didn't make certain mistakes or if I didn't do this and that, it wouldn't turn out to be what it is at the moment. And I have no idea what Rosewood is going to be like in a year from now or in two years from now. But I'm lucky enough to still be working, you know, nearly two years into the business because most businesses, you know, can't make it past the first year. So I think, yeah, I'm happy with how things are going. And that makes me really happy to say that out loud. (laughs) That's great. And what about something you wish you knew when you were in year 11 or year 12? What would you'd like your young self to know could be related to anything honestly I have to tell myself this basically on a daily basis but just don't worry about the future like you always have to plan for it but don't be stressing of every little thing because at the end of the day you really can't control it like I was so worried that I need to do this and I need to do this and especially um I mentioned before about you know I was 19 I was 20 sorry I had my first full-time job I was about to buy a house I just want to grow up um but those things I thought would make me grow up but you know just because you have a house and all this it doesn't mean that you're grown up like I'm grown up now or what even is grown up you know what I mean like there's no clear parameters of anything everyone's on their own path and it always works out how it's supposed to just keep working and things will work out how they were supposed to. Absolutely. That is such great advice and perfect way to end an <laughs> absolute great chat. Thank you so much. If any student or anyone wants to reach out to you, would you be happy for them to say, um, send you a message on Instagram or something? 100%. Email me as well anytime because I very often talk to people you know, someone will reach out to me and say, I'm going to start a fashion brand or I'm going to study. And I'm always happy to give my knowledge and my what I think because I never had anyone to do that when I was growing up. And I think it's so important to hear other people's stories. So, yes, yeah, send me a message anytime, guys. For sure. So the Instagram is at Rosa Rosa, the label, but I also put in the show notes for you all to find. Um, don't be afraid. Even give it a follow. Say hi. <laughs> I love that. Thanks, guys. Um, I've had an absolute ball getting to know you and your brand, and I'm excited to see what's coming next. Thank you so much, Christina. Thanks, Maya. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Anytime. If you like this episode or have any more questions, head over to our Instagram at the.studentspace. Now, there is a full stop between the and student. And just remember, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not provide any personal advice. Thank you for all your support, everyone. See you later.